Welcome to Episode 9 in the Lives of the Saints Second Series. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church. In this episode, I depart from the previous format to continue our tribute in honor of St. John Chrysostom, whose feast day was January 27th. In this episode, you will hear the text of the seven nocturne prayers and four selected readings from St. John's extensive written legacy. The authorship of the Nocturne Prayers, also known as the Vigil Office, which come out of the Eastern tradition, are often attributed to St. Chrysostom. The text that I have used comes from an early 20th century collection of Eastern Church liturgies published in the United States. These nocturne prayers have no exact parallel in Western church worship. The closest comparable service is the hours offices. In the purest sense, vigils begin before midnight and do not end until sunrise the following morning. In the case of the nocturne prayers, the text of the seventh prayer, as you will hear, suggests that it would have been said well before midnight, indicating that the nocturne prayers were not an all-night service. There is evidence that at least as early as the second century, that such vigils in the Western Church always ended with a reading of Psalms 148, 149, and 150, each of which is a doxology to the Lord God. Vigils are still widely used in the Eastern Church tradition, especially on the night before the most important feasts of the Church, especially Easter, and in the Western Church today in monasteries and major cathedrals. The seven nocturne prayers are evidence of the high sense of Christian spirituality, which might also be thought of as meaning an internalization or in Eastern phrases, taking to heart the teachings of Christianity. This is present throughout the liturgies of the Eastern Church. For more on the concept of Christian spirituality from an Anglican perspective and how it can be used as a defense against the assaults of a hostile secular world and the opposition to Christianity from other religions, see more in in the AIC bookstore publication, Christian Spirituality and Anglican Perspective. You can learn more by using the virtual bookstore links at our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. The nocturne prayers begin with three opening petitions, each of which is a variation on a theme. These might remind Western Church Christians of the Venite Exaltimus Domino, the traditional invitatory used in morning prayer by Anglicans and by many Protestant denominations that arose out of the English prayer book tradition. The opening petitions are spoken at different volumes, softly at first, almost a whisper, and repeated with variations as many times as necessary to reach the altar, with the third and final variation spoken loudly, 
but solemnly. The words of the three parts are, Come, let us worship before God our King. Come, let us worship before God our King. Come, let us worship before God our King. And then as we move farther down towards the altar a little louder, Come, let us worship and fall down before Christ our God and King. Come, let us worship and fall down before Christ our God and King. And finally, loud and solemnly, as the altar is approached, Come, let us worship and fall down before Christ himself, our God and King. And then the text of the first prayer. After each of the prayers, I will note what the scriptural or traditional origin of those prayers is. O Lord, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and of great kindness, hear our cry and accept the voice of our prayer. Show us some token for good. Lead us into the way that we may walk in thy truth. Make glad our hearts that we may fear thy holy name. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone, and there is none like unto thee among the gods, rich in mercy and excellent in strength, to help, comfort, and deliver all who trust in thy holy name. For to thee, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, are due all honor, glory, and worship, now and ever, and unto the ages of ages. Amen. The roots of the concept in the first prayer of a merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and compassionate Lord whose works are wondrous, and the Trinitarian doxology in the final sentence in the order used are found in Psalms 40, verse 6, 73, 18, 86, 10, 87, 15, and 103, 8. In Matthew 6, 13b, Isaiah 6, verse 3, and the Nicene Creed. And now, the second prayer. O Lord, rebuke us not in thy wrath, Neither chasten us in thy hot displeasure, but deal with us according to thy mercy, for thou art the physician who healest our souls. O lead us into the harbor of thy will, enlighten the eyes of our understanding, of our, enlighten the eyes of our hearts to the knowledge of thy truth. Grant us the remainder of this day and the residue of our life to live peacefully and without sin through the intercession of the Holy Mother of God and of all thy saints. For thine is the strength and thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. The roots of the concept in the second prayer of the wrath of God, of how he manifests his displeasure, and the Trinitarian doctrine in the last sentence are found in the order used in Psalms 21, 9, 63, 3, and 90, verse 7 
in 1 Chronicles 29:10b to 13, Revelation 4:11, Matthew 6:13b, Isaiah 6 verse 3, and the Nicene Creed. The concept of the eyes of our heart, a distinctively Eastern Church understanding, is explained in Christian spirituality, an Anglican understanding which I mentioned earlier. And now the third prayer. O Lord our God, remember us, thy sinful and unprofitable servants, when we call upon thy holy and adorable name. Let us not be put to shame while we trust in thy grace, but grant us, O Lord, all we ask for our salvation, that we may love thee and fear thee with all our heart, and do thy will in all things. For thou art a good and gracious God, and to thee, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we offer up praise and glory, now and ever, and unto the ages of ages. Amen. The roots of the concept in the third prayer of a good and gracious Lord who is the source of salvation, the meaning of the phrase fear of the Lord, and the Trinitarian And the Trinitarian doxology in the last sentence are found in the order of use in Psalm 79, 9, Ecclesiasticus 1, 18, Song of Solomon, chapter 9, verses 13b and 14, Matthew 6, verse 13b, Isaiah 6, 3, and the Nicene Creed. And now the fourth prayer. O Thou who art celebrated by the never-silent hymns of praise and ceaseless songs of the holy powers, fill our mouth with Thy praise, that we may magnify Thy holy name, and give us a portion and inheritance with all who fear Thee in truth and keep Thy commandments through the intersections of the intercession of the Holy Mother of God and of all thy saints. For to thee, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, are due all praise, honor, and worship, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. The roots of the concept of the fourth prayer of praise songs to the Lord of an inheritance and the phrase fear of the Lord plus the Trinitarian doxology are found in the order of their use in Isaiah 6 verses 1 to 3, Psalm 79, 9 and 99, 3, Ecclesiasticus 118, Song of Solomon 9 verses 13b to 14, Matthew 6, 13b and the Nicene Creed. And now the fifth prayer. O Lord God, who holdest all things in thy holy hand, and art long-suffering to us all, and art grieved at our evil deeds, remember thy compassions and thy mercy, visit us with thy goodness, let us through thy grace for the remainder of this day escape the manifold crafts of the evil one, and preserve our life blameless through the grace of thine all-holy spirit, 
through the mercy and compassion of thine only begotten Son, with whom, together with thine all-holy, good, and life-giving Spirit, thou art blessed now and ever, and unto the ages of ages. Amen. The roots of the concepts in the fifth prayer of the long-suffering, good, compassionate, and merciful God, the term the evil one, and the Trinitarian doxology are found in the order used in Psalms 87, verse 15, 100, verse 4, and 103, verse 8. Matthew 6, verse 13, in the Greek text using the NKJV translation, and the Nicene Creed. And now the sixth prayer. O God, great and wonderful, Thou who rulest all things with unspeakable goodness and boundless providence, who hast also given us earthly goods, assured us of the promised kingdom, and through the good things already given us, hast prepared us, the, for us the way, and hast also preserved us from all evil since the beginning of this day. Grant that we may pass the remainder of it without sin, and before thy holy glory praise thee, our only good and gracious God, for thou art our God, and to thee, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we offer up thy praise and glory, now and ever, and unto the ages of ages. Amen. The roots of the praise terms unspeakable goodness, boundless providence, good and gracious God, the image of God as great and holy, and the Trinitarian doxology are found in the order of their use in Psalm 66, 2 and 4. In Psalm 69, verse 35, 74, 4 and 12 and 13, 99, 3, and Psalm 119, verse 29, plus Matthew 6, 13b, and the Nicene Creed. Now, finally, we come to the seventh and last prayer, which is the longest of the group. O great and most high God, who only hast immortality, and who dwellest in the light which no man can approach unto, who hast formed all creatures in wisdom, and hast divided the light from the darkness, and hast appointed the sun to rule the day, and the moon and the stars to rule the night, and hast made us sinners, worthy even on this day to come into thy presence and to offer unto thee our evening sacrifice. O thou gracious God, let our prayer be set before thee as the incense and receivest as a sweet-smelling savor. Grant us that the present evening and the coming night may be peaceful. Put on us the armor of light. Preserve us from nocturnal terrors and from every evil that walketh in darkness. Grant that the sleep which thou hast given us for refreshment from our labor may be free from every vision of the devil. Vouchsafe thou giver of all good gifts, that we may feel repentance upon our beds, and also by night remember thy most holy name, 
and enlightened by the contemplation of thy commandments, may arise in the joy of our souls to praise thy goodness and to present supplications and prayers to thy mercy for our sins and for all thy people, that thou wouldest visit them with thy grace through the intersection of the Most Holy Mother of God and of all thy saints. For thou art a good and gracious God, and to thee, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we offer up praise and glory now and ever, and unto the ages of ages. Amen. The seventh prayer is the first to make reference to the Most High God, one of the several Hebrew names of God, and the image of incense rising as prayers These and other images, plus the Trinitarian doxology, have precedence in the order of their use in Psalm 7, verse 18, 9, verse 2, 13, 6, 21, 7, 46, 4, 50, 14, 56, 2, 57, 2, 73, 8, and 11, 79, verses 10 and 18 and 57, Psalm 82, verse 6, 83, verse 18, Psalm 91, verse 1, Psalm 92, verses 1 and 7, Psalm 107, verse 11, and finally, Psalm 141, verse 2. Also in 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10b to 13, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 to 17, Matthew 6, 13b, and the Nicene Creed. I hope you enjoyed hearing these seven devout nocturne prayers that are associated with the name of St. John Chrysostom. Now I turn to four examples from his homilies beginning with this commentary on the proper content of prayer and his forthright views on the very real presence of Satan in the world. The text is from Robert Charles Hill's translation of St. John's commentary on Psalm 4, verse 1, which includes the phrase, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast set me at liberty when I was in trouble. Have mercy upon me and hearken unto my prayer. Uh, The verse is from the 1928 Book of Common Prayer translation of Psalm 4, verse 1. The illustration is a Byzantine Orthodox mosaic of St. John, part of a set of two which included his contemporary St. John, uh, St. Gregory Nazianzen. The art of prayer, being of sober mind and contrite spirit, approaching him in a flood of tears, seeking nothing of this life, longing for things to come, making petition for spiritual goods, not calling down curses on our enemies, bearing no grudges, banishing all disquiet from the soul, making our approach with heart broken, being humble, practicing great meekness, and directing our tongues to good report, abstaining from any wicked enterprise, having nothing in common with the common enemy of the world, I mean the devil. Of course. The second example is from his first homily on 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, in which he offers wisdom on the value of popularity versus the value of true righteousness. 
Here it is useful, hearing the final verse in this reading, to remember his last words before his death. Even having endured extreme hardship and harsh treatment from civil and church authority while in exile, he was able to say, Glory be to God for all things. And now the reading. My prayer is that both these, which he is referring to the peace of God and grace, may be yours from God, both from him I say and toward him, for neither do they abide secure except they enjoy influence from above, nor unless God be their object will they aught avail you, for it profit us nothing, though we be peaceful toward all men, if we be at war with God. Even as it is not harm against us, although by all men we are held as enemies, if with God we are at peace. And again, it is no gain to us if all men approve and the Lord be offended. Neither is there any danger, through though all shun us and hate us, if with God we have acceptance and love. For that which is verily grace, verily peace, cometh of God, since he who finds grace in God's sight, though he suffered ten thousand horrors, feareth no one. The third and final example is a lesson on moral behavior, especially the learning about restraint of the tongue. It comes from his homily number 11, on Acts chapter 4. On another occasion during the season of Lent, he suggested restraint of the tongue as a worthy sacrifice of penance at Lent. The illustration is a bas-relief in soapstone with gold highlights made at Constantinople in the 11th century and now in the collection of the Louvre in Paris, France. In the first place, as regards that law about swearing, as in war, it is by the watchword that friends and strangers are shown, so let it be now. What a weapon this against the very head of the devil! A mouth that cannot swear will also be incapable of using insulting language. Cast out this fire from your tongue as you would from a house. This fire, drag it out. Give your tongue a little rest. Make the sore less virulent. The fourth and final example is from a lecture on the Christian virtue of forgiveness from homily number 20 on Acts chapter 9. The illustration is an early 19th century statue of St. Chrysostom at the Madeleine Church in Paris. Again will I repeat what I have often said, and I repeat it, because I do so exceedingly desire it. As Christ also did the same when discoursing concerning forgiveness, when ye pray, Forgive if ye have aught against any man, from Mark eleven twenty five, And again to Peter he said, I say not unto thee, forgive until seven times, but until seventy 
times 7 from Matthew 18, verse 22. And himself, in fact, forgives the transgressions against him. So do we also, because we know that this is the very goal of Christianity, continually discoursing thereof. Nothing is more frigid than a Christian who cares not for the salvation of others. Thank you for joining me for Episode 10 in Lives of the Saints' second series, an extended tribute to St. John Chrysostom. Next time, in Episode 11, I celebrate the life of St. Cornelius the Centurion, whose feast day is February 4th. Episodes in this series and those of other teaching videos and seasonal videos are available on both our YouTube channel, which is the direct URL being https colon slash slash www.youtube.com right slash the letter C right slash St. John C with Saint spelled out or at our newly redesigned website for which the full URL is http colon slash net. The digital library at that site gives access to our seasonal videos and other videos. The Bible study link similarly connects you to our Bible study series, the New Testament Gospels and Revelation. Additional series are planned for later in 2017 A.D., The podcast homilies link gives access to the entire archive of approximately 575 MP3 podcast homilies, both for the Sundays in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer and on other topics. The virtual bookstore at the bottom center of the homepage has links for both the paperback and Kindle editions of the AIC bookstore publications. Just as a reminder, purchase of these books helps fund this Internet ministry with 100% of all book royalties contributed to the AIC. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our newly redesigned website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.